Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bantering the Blue Shirts. We are back after a week off, but we are still without uh, Joe Fortunato, who has strep throat, which makes uh, the whole uh, talking apparently is a big part of podcasting, Tom. I don't know if you know that. By the way, I'm joined once again by Tom Erch Jr. Say hi, Tom. Hi, Tom Erch Jr. And are we really sure that, that Joe is actually sick or he just doesn't want to podcast? I think it's a little bit of both, but mostly he seems pretty sick. Uh, well, if that's the case, then feel better, Joe. Yeah, definitely feel better. Uh, maybe he's sick watching the Rangers, or I don't know. That's like the most obvious low-hanging fruit joke I could do. But uh, Yeah, there's, there's a lot to talk about because, as I mentioned, we weren't able to do the show last week. So we now have plenty to talk about, but really... Not too many games have transpired, Tom, because the Rangers' schedule has been pretty goofy. But I wanted to start with the story that went up on Blue Shirt Banner earlier today, which is our Elias Anderson roundtable. Um, of course, Elias Anderson was recently a healthy scratch. And last night, uh, what did he play, like six minutes, something like that, Tom? It was, uh, it's been, yeah, six minutes and nine seconds for Elias Anderson. Just... I mean, he had two giveaways, and I and I understand that, but he has also threw three hits and put two shots on net in six minutes and nine seconds. But uh, it's it's kind of come to the point where a lot of a lot more people are starting to grumble and and grouse about whether or not he might be a bust, and then the rest of the Rangers fan and you know analyst population are saying, well, he's still a kid. Tom, are you worried about Leah Sanderson? Or are you more specifically, are you worried about the way that David Quinn has been using him? I would say I'm more concerned about the way that he's been used. I'm not worried about Anderson. He I mean he's twenty years old. I'm I try to think, what was I doing at twenty? Well, what am I doing now at twenty six that I'm still not all put together? Um, but it really just comes down to just maximizing his time and I think if you go into the round table, we went through a couple of different topics, and the the one theme was more ice time for Anderson, or more of a role. Yeah, mo- generally everyone was saying, why is this kid not in the AHL at this point? And I, it's very hard to understand the inner machinations of Quinn and, and his philosophy on player development, because this is his first crack as an NHL head coach. He's worked with young players before, but he hasn't had the kind of uh, the responsibility, he hasn't felt the yoke, you know, the the burden of trying to make a young guy into an NHL player, and naturally it's very hard to, to say that the best thing for Anderson is playing less than seven minutes a night, or to watch a game from the press box, but here we are, he's just not at all getting that opportunity, and I understand the folks who are a little bit worried, Tom, I do. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not pressing the panic button just yet. I feel like he has an unfair amount of pressure on him because he was never 
the sort of guy who is going to be a franchise first-line player, even though the Rangers took him where they did. But the, the big thing I take away from this is he's just a kid who is struggling to prove himself to Quinn the same way that we saw kind of, you know, D'Angelo struggle to prove himself to Quinn and Buchnevich and Filipito. Like, these are guys who had to kind of just chip away at Quinn and eventually he saw enough of the truth or enough of the light where he made made it more, I don't know, made it a little easier for them to make a positive impact on games. I mean, I agree with that, and I think you touched upon a good point. You look at where Anderson was drafted, and it. I understand, and, and sometimes when we look at drafts or we write about drafts, it's you have like a cutoff of supposedly really good players, but if you just look at previous drafts and just will pick number one overall like that's generally where those really impactful players go whether it's your matthews your mcdavid's mckinnon john tavares steven stamkos uh alex ovechkin Sidney crosby right and as you sort of go on from that it's to varying degrees and ultimately he was picked where he was picked and that's no fault of his own um and it, it's something that will be there, but I don't really think it's going to be that much of a, a major deal. Yeah, it's still very early to be kind of shitting the bed about this. Um, I know it's it's been a big deal, and I know Rangers prospects and young players have been a big topic of conversation. Adam Herman uh, recently wrote a really insightful piece about Lieber Hayek and how he's kind of had a pretty slow start in the AHL in terms of the counting stats and all that, but uh, which turned out to be a pretty controversial piece, although I thought it was pretty uh, pretty fair. If, if we just look at what we're expecting, and granted it's his first year in the AHL and all of that, and he's 20, but um, much like earlier in the season, I wrote an article about how, you know, Booch needs to be better. Like, it's there is a case, it is definitely true that Quinn has not been using him well, but still... We can look at guys and say they could be better, and it doesn't mean anything more than he hasn't been good through X amount of games. That's all it has to mean. Um, but speaking about X amount of games, Tom, I was thinking we should look at the Rangers' play since Thanksgiving. And one of the reasons I wanted to mention this is because right now, uh, according to Dom L. Uh, from The Athletic, his most up-to-date uh, projected NHL standings, which is playoff probability, the Rangers, Tom, have an 8% chance of making it to the playoffs and a 0.05% chance of winning the Cup. So what you're saying is there's a chance. There is a, there is a chance, Tom. Uh, however remote, there is a chance. But uh, the other day I tweeted something about how few regulation uh, plus overtime wins the Rangers have had this season. And that tweet kind of made its its rounds around the New York Rangers Twitter uh, community and a lot of people were saying oh why is this surprising um, even though I didn't say I didn't make any strong statements I just said the Rangers are a, t- a bad team with great cult- goaltending with a few really good forwards um, people seem to say like why is this a surprise it's a rebuilding team but it really feels like it was only a couple weeks ago that I think some people were trying to convince themselves that maybe this team could squeak into the playoffs. And I feel like based on what's happened since Thanksgiving, all of that has kind of gone away. Uh, like the injuries the Rangers have had have really kind of 
you know, the Emperor's new clothes situation is going on here. There's no, there's no hiding what the Rangers are and what their weaknesses are. What was that? I, I, you just cut out a little bit. Oh, Emperor, uh, Emperor's new clothes is the yeah. last thing that I heard. Yeah, all you need to know is there's a, is there's a portly Emperor walking around naked and thinking he's, uh, he's hot shit. No, oh wow! Like, yeah, that's well. That's what the Emperor's New Clothes is about. Do you not remember that story? I mean, I remember the. Uh, is it a Disney animated movie? I think with the, or it might it's it was an animated movie. I know it's more than that, but. Did Disney animate a, a portly emperor strolling about? Well, not, not to that extent. As the cock of the walk, if you will. <laughs> Man, this podcast has taken a turn. Up, uh, no, I was saying since Thanksgiving. I feel like any lingering illusions about whether or not this team could be a wild card team have gone away because of the the way the Rangers have played since Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, I mean, I think we said this I think a number of times. You look at that winning streak and how many shootout wins were in that. You could yeah. easily see that they were a very much a paper tiger. Like yeah, they were winning games, yeah, they were picking up points. But I think we also looked at they went on somewhat of a run like that last year, and then ultimately, you know, they they decided to to bow out when they did. Yeah, since Thanksgiving, Tom, Rangers a forty three point nine three core C four, a negative nine, um, negative nine goal differential at five on five, and four. I'm sorry, just two in the last 11 games, two regulation and overtime wins. Nine points. Um, this is not, this is a rebuilding team that is right now very much on pace to be a lottery pick team, especially if things kind of fall in a manner in which we see them sell um, at the deadline, which kind of brings me to a story that you wrote recently, Tom, about the Kevin Hayes trade rumors and what he would get back. But once again, just so everyone knows, Tom and Larry Brooks are both on Team Keep Hayes. Very much so. Yeah, I I would say I'm very much on uh, Team Keep Kevin Hayes. And I know this is a topic that's been talked a lot about on Twitter. Um, So, you know, I'll, I'll be somewhat brief. But basically the way I look at things is that the Rangers seem to be a team that you can pick any span in the last few. They're looking to get to a certain point, and it's like, oh, we need player X. I think they have one of those players now in Hayes, and you just got to do the math internally and say, okay. And and they know this number. They know what season they want to start being Stanley Cup contenders again. And if Hayes fits in that window, great. You sign him. And then you figure out the the rest of the forward situation where that moves another center to wing. Um, they basically, you want to be in a position where you have a tough decision to make because you're operating from a position of so much strength. Um, my story pretty much just looked at the recent rumors that Boston is potentially interested in him, Winnipeg and Colorado, and that while I think the Rangers should keep him, There's nothing wrong with saying, okay, he's available. What are you going to give us? And then they internalize that. And if it makes sense, you pull the trigger. And then if it doesn't, you you hold out and try and get more. Or maybe you get to a point where the decision goes, 
yeah, he really does fit in the long-term plans, and we're just go- we're just going to keep him and then move to moving someone else. And it's still somewhat early for that, and nothing's going to happen, at least now, because the roster freeze is going to go into effect. But it's something very much to keep an eye on. I'm slowly but surely being convinced by most of the arguments you've been presenting regarding Hayes and his future with the team. With that being said, like we deal in what we think is best and then what we think is most likely, right? And we often have to do that for things like who should be in the lineup and, you know, fun stuff like that. How much ice time should Lee Sanderson be? Right. But with Kevin Hayes, do you feel like because the contract didn't happen, uh, it was definitely a case where the two sides were very far apart on a on a deal with term, so they signed this one year deal. Do you think it's more likely he gets traded? Because that's where that's where I am right now. Regardless of how you might feel about him being, you know, the commodity that the Rangers know at a position of key importance, he's not that old, and he's only been getting better. And as you wrote about in your piece, like a great word for Hayes is consistency. It's a word you used a few times, and I feel like that's a really important word for a team like the Rangers when they have Zibanejad, who can be this big power play wizard, and then you can have a guy like Hayes who's just so damn consistent at 5-on-5. It's a really nice one-two punch to have, but given the factors of the whole Filipino situation and Leas Anderson and Brett Howden and this one-year deal that Hayes is on that has, you know, the clock is ticking on signing him to an extension or dealing him. I feel like it's more likely he's gone. Is that how you feel? When I look at the Hayes situation, I, I just think of, you know, the Godfather when Michael Corleone is, it's not personal, it's strictly business. And very much so, that's exactly what the one-year deal was. It was a business decision. If you look at Cap Friendly, right, the Rangers have a pretty clean cap sheet. You have Zibanejad signed long-term. You have Shea signed long-term. That's it. You don't have any other strings that are are being tied down. And from the Rangers' perspective, they kind of have an idea of what Hayes is capable of. That's shown with the primary point production, the five-on-five numbers, which I take good stock in because I kind of think if you're producing in those situations, you should be able to repeat it going forward. They wanted to see how he did with a new coach, with increased ice time, with um, him being used in different situations. And I I kind of take stock in the fact that this is sort of a, a try-before-you-buy situation. And while they might not have come to an agreement, let's just say the number long-term was $6.5 million and six years. I don't think it's possible for Hayes to, say, become an eight and a half million dollar player could he become a seven million dollar player possibly could he become at this rate possibly right could he become potentially on a on an open market with not a lot of free agents at center uh you know seven and a quarter player quite possible so i i think it it really all it comes down to is they're evaluating the rest of the team and seeing how far along they are and if they're closer to contending than they're not then 
that window changes and then maybe Hayes is a part of it. Whereas if everything was completely terrible this year and they said, oh, whatever we thought, add a year, add two years, then Hayes gets to an age where it no longer makes sense. But right, but right yeah. now, it's, it's still an evaluation for me. There's two, two other things I really want to mention. One is Hayes right now is 26, but he doesn't have that much tread on his tires. He's also really hasn't had injury issues to speak of, right? Um, you know, he played four years at Boston College. You know, his rookie year in the NHL was 2014-15. Good point. So in, when we think about this team wanting to stay young, he's like, uh, I don't know how you want to say it, Tom. You know, he's like a young 26, you feel me? Um, the, the other thing I wanted to mention was from your article, um, you were you mentioned the, the Martin Hansel trade and how that might be a good blueprint to look at what the Rangers could get in terms of a package deal where really the general consensus right now is you're going to get a first-round pick for Hayes, but what else could you get? And really in that lies the rub. Is it worth it to move him or is it worth it to try and re-sign him? Especially because, as we know, you know, Joe has used this term over and over again. All draft picks are lottery tickets. You you don't know what you're going to get. And the problem with trading guys, um, a guy who's on the younger side like Hayes, is that you're trading for just, you know, strikes at the pinata. A couple swings at the pinata where you don't know if you're going to hit it. You don't know what's going to be inside the pinata. It could be a bunch of, like, eight-year-old Tootsie Rolls. Or it could be a lot of Snickers bars. Um, as we all know, Snickers is uh, the most superior candy bar that has been discussed on this podcast. Um, and the problem with this whole Hayes situation is he is riding this really interesting line of he would bring back so much potentially in a trade, but we wouldn't ever really know what we're getting back unless, as uh, you know, Larry Brooks mentioned in his, his article today, if the Rangers were getting back a prospect... Um, in addition to a pick, and in that case, it would be a guy who could play the right side that's on the first pair. Um, he mentioned, you know, Cole McCarr, and that's like, okay, that's not going to happen, but it kind of sets the bar for what the Rangers should really be considering. Because really, you know, Kevin Hayes has kind of been the Rangers' best player this season. I mean, other than Henrik Lundqvist, it's been Kevin Hayes. Yeah, and that... It also, it's, I feel like the Rangers are very much there, an organization that is, it's sort of this internal fight in the sense that they want to rebuild, but they also need to be just good enough so that when they try to court some of these premier free agents, whether it be Artemi Panarin, whether it be Mark Stone, that these free agents say, oh, they got something going on there. And if you're the Rangers and you trade Hayes, like you you brought up Makar as an example, or if you brought up just not that they would trade with Toronto, but if, you know, like uh, Timothy Lilligren or a prospect to that effect that you can see in the picture a year from now, two years from now, if you're someone on the outside looking in, you can say, okay, Yes, Hayes was a valuable piece, but he was going to be a free agent, but they got something back that, you know, will potentially benefit me a year or two down down the line. Um, it's 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 a crapshoot no matter how you look at it. Um, 
that Hansel trade you brought up, it was a first round in 2017, a 2018 second, uh, conditional 2019 pick, um, and a, uh, a rights to uh, a prospect. And that was a, a pretty decent haul. Uh, Hansel also went along with, with Ryan White and a 2017 fourth rounder. But it, it's, it's going to be a tough decision, and that's why I think it's, it's smart that there's interest now where they can sort of gauge what the interest is and what the type of return is going to be. Because as I said, you weigh that versus what Hayes will mean to you and what more importantly, what he'll mean to you in the contending window. Yeah, I definitely, I feel you on that one. And I apologize if we have any uh, weird uh, connection issues with the show. We're, we're, we're doing the best we can. It's been a little tricky to set this one up. Uh, if there's any audio issues, we, we apologize mid-show. I'm not sure a lot of shows apologize mid-show. I think they try to add it at the end or the beginning. Um, but that's how we roll here. We do it all on the fly. It, it's... I, I feel like Hayes is this... A lot of what happens with this season, when we look back at it and say, what sort of season was this? Was this a season of half measures where, you know, the Rangers were trying to be a team that they weren't and they're focused too much on winning games? Or is this a season of a different kind where the Rangers were trying, you know, to commit to development and we're kind of somewhere in the middle. And what, what ends up happening with Hayes is really, in my opinion, going to decide what the outcome of that is, how, you know, where we move on that scale. And I just feel like the thing that's going to happen is that Hayes gets traded. Although I'm not convinced it's entirely the right move right now. Um, transitioning to something else, as a guy that has been discussed as someone the Rangers should probably trade, but can't really do it right now, Tom, is Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, the last time, you know, Joe and I talked about Shattenkirk, it was before he was injured, and we started to talk about, you know, how worried are we about Shattenkirk's play and really his lack of production. You know, it's it's now known, you know, generally by everyone around the league that Pionk has kind of overtaken him for that spot on the first power play unit. And that is not at all a coincidence when it comes to Shattenkirk's production just falling off a goddamn cliff. Uh, now, Shattenkirk is out of the lineup, Tom. Uh, he's in the way that Kevin... All the re- For all the reasons that Kevin Hayes feels like he should be a part of this team's future, Shattenkirk feels like he's the sort of piece that a team that's contending should have. Not a team that's, you know transitioning and rebuilding should have he's 29 um he has a modified no trade no movement um so this season he can submit a 10 team no trade list and in 2020 2021 the last year of his contract he can submit an a team no trade list so the other problem here tom of course is that because his numbers have been so low and so on shattenkirk like I don't know how much value he really has on the market. He has eight points in 29 games, Tom. It's not good. It's a tough situation. Um, I really think back to when they first signed him, and I was lucky enough that I believe it was in September. It was right before camp was going to start. He did a, um, a speaking and signing event 
in uh, New Rochelle at Steiner Sports with um, Brendan Smith. So it was sort of like a meet and greet thing. And someone asked him about his decision-making process is going to the Rangers. And uh, someone had brought up, because going way back when, like Kevin Weeks, I think, was the first person to report the signing. And it wasn't official at that point. And Shattenkirk was like, you know, my phone started blowing up after that tweet went out. And people were like, oh, you're coming home. And he's like, you know, I was sort of leading that direction, but nothing was official yet. So, you know, I got a little bit of a scare there. But he just was genuinely excited to be able to play for his hometown team. And he wanted to be a difference maker and he was looking forward to playing with Ryan McDonough, and we saw how short-lived that was. But I think long-term, I don't think he's going to finish his contract with the Rangers. I think right now it's about getting him healthy. It's getting him playing and showing that he still can be an impact player at this level, and I, I think that he can. And then it's sort of finding a soft landing. Um, it's been talked about a lot that part of the reason why he signed at a discount with the Rangers was because he he wanted to be back on the East Coast. He wanted to be closer to home. So I think that sort of limits their options to where they would yeah. move him. And that's something that will probably be discussed over the summer. But yet again, like as we've said, we don't know what their plan is and maybe – depending on what they do that allows Shattenkirk to just sort of exist as this third pairing defenseman and secondary power play specialist but it's a very much wait and see but it's it's unfortunate because you got to feel for the guy he he didn't want to let the team down and that's why he played through that injury which in hindsight it's oh, kind God. of stupid but his heart is in the right place kind but, of stupid it's just yeah i mean i don't want to like I, I i've not been in that situation before where you have all this pressure on you and you just feel for the guy but you know it, it's fortunate unfortunately fortunately it, it's a business it's business tom it's not personal um speaking very of, good there of, of, of businesses uh i thought we should go over to the mailbag kind of early um you know because there hasn't been and even though this is our first show in a couple weeks there's not too much to talk about in terms of, you know, of course, Kevin Hayes' you know, amazing shorthanded goal uh, to win the game against the Ducks is pretty great. But in that game, the Rangers, what was it, Tom? They had 10 shots in the first two periods combined, which is just special. And then uh, they ended up, you know, winning with the, the lead in shots in the game, 24 to 15. Those were the Rangers and the Ducks, by the way, two of the two of the worst teams in terms of shot share in the in the league yeah it's so. crazy that Lundqvist gets a night off and that's the shit that they do to him it's like i'd be furious if i were him yeah it just you know pretty softy for gorgiev anyway um our first question i think is a big dis- talking point for us tom it's from uh, cornell screamer or dion new york rangers What's the biggest mistake Gordon and team have made so far this season, and what's the best thing they have done? I'll start us off, Tom. I'm tired of you talking, hogging the spotlight, hogging all the Snickers bars. I think well, the, the biggest mistake um, specifically Gordon has done, because this is on Gordon alone, is the McQuaid trade. Uh, totally. I, I, I understand how 
you know, jerking around Leas Anderson's an issue, and uh, and I understand. And I also think you could make a case really for the general handling of Ryan Spooner's contract and two years, four million a year, and then you turn Spooner, who is a pretty important return in that Rick Nash trade, into Ryan Strom. So you turn him into just a, a bottom six forward, as opposed to. Someone, something like, I don't know, uh, pick and prospects, which is kind of what I think most of us were hoping for. But the McQuaid trade, we've beat it into the ground on the show, but good God in heaven, it just, every day it makes less sense. And uh, the fact that it was made, you know, when we were looking ahead at the draft or starting to look ahead at what the draft would look like, a lot of people seem to forget, you know, the Rangers gave up, you know, a really like an unnecessary cost uh, to add an unnecessary player. And that's why this trade really hurts as much as it does, uh, in my opinion. I don't know, you know, what what the justification for this trade was beyond the general sense of he adds character, he's tough, he can play the right side, bippity-boppity-boo. Grit. Like the... Yeah, grit, boobity pop, but it costs the Rangers a fourth round pick, which is not which is not just something you throw away if you're a team on the rebuild. You got rid of Steve Camper's contract. He was an AHL defenseman anyway, and a conditional seventh round pick to Boston. And really, the Rangers did the Bruins a favor with this trade, and that's the part of it that is most uh, most perplexing to me. But I'll let you go ahead and give me your. You agree it's McQuaid, the McQuaid trade. Yeah, I would say that's the worst thing. And just to clarify before the best thing, is it in his entire tenure or is it just this season? I think he just said uh, just this season. So I'm going to count, you know, the training camp era, you know, the training mm-hmm. camp span up into the, the regular season and preseason. So, yeah, I mean, if, if we're looking at best best things um, about this year, um, it, it technically falls outside the window, but it, it was free agency. I, I would say that even though he hasn't been used properly, the Clayson signing for, I think it was what? It was 700000 900000 just uh, sort of throwing a flyer out there on a, on a guy. Um, and when I look at Clayson... One year. Yeah, th- that's, a, that's a bargain. And he's a restricted free agent, so they'll hold his rights, so... They could re-sign him if, if they chose to, and um, I, I've had this like conversation with with Shana. But when I look at Clayson a little bit, I just have um, a sort of like similar feelings to early Anton Strahlman, um, and in just that it's very unassuming, very dependable in his own end, um, contributes offense occasionally, but doing his best work just sort of taking care of business sort of like just like like a duck on a pond everything is calm cool and collected on the surface and um it's just frustrating that he was the first man out when McQuaid came back in after an extended break so um definitely agree that McQuaid thing I that's just really stupid but the Clayson signing to me was probably the best thing I like that, but my best thing is going to be um, recognizing Brett Howden um, and his play in training camp and giving the opportunity. And for whatever reason, 
giving him all the opportunities that a lot of the other younger guys didn't seem to get. Um, they're not asking Brett Howden to be anything other than what he is. They gave him the chance, uh, even though it's kind of against all the odds, to be on the roster instead of Elias uh, Anderson at a training camp. And really, Brett Howden has done nothing but impress, even though you know his production has slowed down a little bit. And that's fine. He came back down to earth. The bottom line is that this guy is an NHL player, and he's kind of proven that, uh, you know, without any measure of a doubt. I'm really, you know, I know what his relative possession numbers look like, you know, and I know what his role is, and I know that this isn't a guy to get, you know, all up in arms and excited about, you know, and, you know, knocking pinatas out of trees. I'm gonna stick with the pinata uh, references and metaphors here, Tom. Um, I really like what the organization has done with Howden because it feels like this is what we should have seen a lot more of this season is giving a young guy an opportunity to play and letting him play. And that's what Howden has been and continues to be. Um, to transition away from that, I think we're, we can move on to our next question. Thank you for that one. That was a good one. I feel like that's an entire show, that question. Um, so this is from Clem Fandango. If the Rangers end up with a pick in the five to seven range, what would it take to move up to the number two spot to get Kako? Would it be worth trading our first to move up? If so, what prospects, including Heedle, Leah Sanderson, and Howden, would be off the table in that type of move, in your opinion? So, full disclosure, Tom and I, we were discussing this before the show a little bit, um, because we were trying to figure out how much time we wanted to dedicate to this. And it's relevant because it's very, very rare for teams to move up into those, into that range of the draft, um, without there being one an established player involved, and two, anything that's happened in recent history. I think Tom, you were saying like one of the most recent examples, if not the most recent, was the Sedin's draft. Um, you know, where it was orchestrated so that they could so they could go together, and and just to kind of add some context to this, I thought it would be interesting, you know, to mention. The Rangers, to, you know, move up to the number 22 pick, gave up their 26th pick and the 48th pick of the second round to move up four spots. And in 2016, uh, to move up one spot, the Ottawa Senators gave up, uh, I believe it was a third round pick, I think it was the 80th overall, uh, to move up one pick from the Devils. Um, and, you know, that's just a third round pick, but that's, it is, that is just like, just for a team to say, hey, we really want this guy, we're going to give you a third round pick just so you don't pick him. That's all they're saying. And this question, of course, is talking about moving up from maybe five or seven to the number two spot. Uh, and there's a lot of interesting research done about the value of draft picks. And as you can imagine, the first overall pick is pretty much untouchable. And the second overall pick is not that far behind in terms of its value. Um, there is a pretty steep drop-off after uh, pick number four. It feels like picks just become a little more available in terms of how general managers weigh them. I'm talking about some research and analysis done by Eric T., uh, who used to write for Broad Street Hockey. It's an article that's now over five years old or over four years old, but it's still really insightful um, as to what the weight of those picks are. There's been more recent work done on TSN and stuff, but if you want to dig into that deeper, but I just feel like you have to give up so much. And if the Rangers can't get uh, 
Kako, there's a couple other scoring wingers they could look into, and that's really what they have to be considering right now is a right side D or scoring wingers. And that's kind of where I line up on this, Tom, is that the price is almost certainly going to be too high. And really, as you and I said before the show, Tom, we just don't know. We don't know where they're going to pick. So what's the, what's the point in wondering what's going to happen? Yeah, so I, I looked it up really quick. Here are some, just some recent trades with teams moving out of the lottery. So the Coyotes did it in 2017 when they traded pick seven and D'Angelo for Stepan and Ranta. In 2013, the Jersey Devils um, acquired Corey Schneider for uh, the number nine, number, n- number nine pick. In 2012... The Penguins traded Stahl to Carolina for the eighth overall Sutter. pick. Uh, yeah, with Brandon Sutter and, and Brian Dumoulin. And then yeah, in yeah. 2011, the Flyers traded uh, Jeff Carter, or they traded Jeff Carter to Columbus for the eighth overall pick, which became Sean Couturier. And they also got Jakub Voracek and a uh, 2011 third rounder. And then the last Ooh. team to actually make trades within the top five. In 2008, the Islanders had the number five pick. They traded with Toronto to move to seven. And then they traded number seven to Nashville for number nine. So um, so exactly ten years ago, you had two trades within the, the top ten. Um, but like Mike said, it's still kind of early. We don't know what players will still be on this team come draft time. And we won't know how they view certain prospects, whether it's ones on the team in terms of how far they are away. Um, it's a really interesting question. I'd hold on to it, and then maybe a I few months from it. now, we'll revisit it. With that being said, Heedle's untouchable. I don't think the Rangers trade Heedle for heaven and earth right now. Uh, yeah, Heedle, Kraftsoff, Miller, those are three. Yeah, Shostarkin. those are, I agree with that solid three, and Shesty is like a, a fourth there on the fringe. Those are guys I don't think the organization's going to move, although we have heard maybe the Rangers aren't as high as Shostarkin as, uh, you know, some of the blogger boys like to think they are. But, yeah, um, it is it is an interesting one. Uh, Jeff D., Tom, would like to know, who scores more goals in a Rangers uniform this year? Hayes, Booch, Hedl, VC. Um, it's a tough question because it's it's assuming whether he stays with the team the whole year. That's the rub. But that's the rub. Um, I would say of that group, I think the safe bet is Hayes. Um, if I were gonna go second, yeah, Booch, because you know Heedle could have Heedle scores in bursts. So, but I don't know if he's gonna you know sort of touch what. What Butcher or Hayes is capable of. Well, right now, you know, we're looking at Hayes, Butch, Heedle, uh, VC. VC's got nine. Hayes has got nine. Butch's got six. Heedle's got six. Butch has only played 17 games, though, uh, which is why I say Butch. He's played half as many games as VC and Hayes, who are leading the pack. So, you know, just basic math here. Uh, if you double his number, it would look like around 12 goals. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a math magician, Tom, but <laughs> I like, I like that logic. I mean, and yeah, he's also very unlikely to be traded, whereas VC, I think, is um, 
maybe. And Hayes is like, well, probably. And yeah. Hedl's, Hedl's not going anywhere. But as you mentioned, he scored in a bunch, and then he had an empty net goal, which was fun. But, uh, you know, it feels like he's... he's The number of times Hedl makes a play where it should just be a gimme goal for someone else, and it doesn't go in. Right. Starting to make me, you know, die inside. But, uh... Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, he's definitely, like, the most entertaining player to watch on the team right now. Um, our next question, Tom, comes all the way from G- Jamie Busold, uh, or Jamie Bussold. Happy holidays! Keep up the good work. Can you guess our seven defensemen for next year? My guess is Shea, D'Angelo, Pionk, Shaddy, Rikov, and Hayek. Stahl bought out, and hoping Brendan Smith is somehow gone. Thanks. I like the stalls bought out and somehow Brendan Smith just kind of uh, Thanos snaps and Brendan Smith just turns to ash. Um, Tom, do you have do you have your seven D for next year, or do you have a general idea? So I would say that Shea will be here. Yep. Pionk, Pionk will be here. Mm-hmm. I would say um, Shattenkirk will be here. That's three. That's what I think too. I think D'Angelo will still be here. That's four. I think D'Angelo and I think Mark Stahl will still be here. I think they're going to buy out Stahl. Um, son I of think, a bitch. I think for strategic reasons. I'm going to push you to the ground and kick you in the armpits. Well, that's fine. You wouldn't be the first no one, one. No one protects the armpits, Tom. Yeah, it's a very, it's somewhat of a vulnerable area. It's like the, um, the, the belly of a crab, of a soft-shell crab. Dude, does a crab's belly gets soft when they go soft shell when they molt it's a good question it's a good question tom we'll have to, we'll get back to you next week with that one um let's see who else is there smith could go either way i could see him being flipped with 50 percent retention because yeah. at 50 percent of his cost there will be a team that'll want him and right um, now he has a 15 team trade list just and next season he'll have a ten-team trade list, but okay. So just just to add just to add some context to Brendan Smith, he is the four point three five hit, and he signed for two years after this year. So I said Shea, Shaddy, Pionk, D'Angelo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Clayson will still be here because Ooh. RFA and. It would make sense for him to be re-signed because they have his rights, and that's another potential um, flip situation. Mm-hmm. So let's see. So I'm looking. We have a lefty, a lefty. We have three righties. So we need another another lefty. Um, I think at that point you will see Hayek, even if it does a third pairing defender. Or a uh, sort of switching out as the the seven. Mm-hmm. So who would? So I'm trying to think who I'd have as my my last one. I th- I think I'll I'll be bold. The last. Where does the, Brendan Smith go? I don't understand. Oh, 50, I said I could see him getting traded at fifty percent. Oh, okay. And then I would say I'll be bold. The seventh, the, the not he's not that he's going to be the seventh defenseman, but. The the last defenseman of the group is not on the roster yet. It's gonna come come via trade. I think the seven D for next year will be Mark Stahl, Brandy Shea, Brennan Smith, Neil Pionk, Tony D'Angelo, Frederick Clayson, and uh, Hayek. So essentially, McQuaid out, Hayek in, 
and hopefully slowly but surely Stahl transitions into being the 7th and 6th D rather than the shutdown D that uh, David Quinn likes to think he is. I don't know though, it's hard to say. I, I know that there's a lot of high hopes for for Igor Rykov and given you know the role he's playing and playing against men in the KHL and you know it's he's definitely a guy who's one of the most intriguing prospects on this team uh, especially because of what the Rangers were how the Rangers were able to get him you know in the devil's deal and that has never really happened before and all that good stuff but you know Jamie I like your I like your 7d more than what I think we're gonna see I want to make that clear um, I think buying out stall like I I know I looked at it recently it's it's not completely unpalatable to buy him out uh, in the upcoming offseason. In fact, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and because that is the case, I don't think it's going to happen based on the way the organization has viewed him this season. I feel like he's become the de facto captain of this team. He's kind of the golden boy. And I, I don't know when he's going to be held accountable uh, for his play, let alone his contract. So we'll see what happens there. And Smith and Smith is a headache that I wish could go away, just like Shattenkirk has unfortunately become something like that. And bef- before we move on, my bold yeah. prediction in terms of who that defenseman that's no, not on the roster, uh, my bold prediction is Jacob Truba. Jesus Christ, Tom. You can't just say he's, things like this. He's an RFA again, and... He's not going to go to arbitration again. It's already a contentious situation there, and I think that I think that the Rangers would be a a good landing spot, and the Rangers and might have some things that Winnipeg would want. And he fits the whole bill of the, the guy who can play the right side, and he's relatively young. He's he's a good pro, in the words of uh, Mike Babcock. And Jacob Truba, his last name sounds a little bit like a musical instrument. Nothing wrong with that. Mayonnaise is an instrument? Yeah. Mayonnaise could be an instrument if you work hard enough, Tom. I don't, I don't know with, with that attitude. Next question. Um, <laughs> counting stats-wise, it seems Tarasenko is on the downtrend. What do his advanced stats say? Asked Larry Bubbs. Uh, Larry Bubbs, I'm sure, is referring to the fact that apparently everyone on the Blues is up for grabs um, from Doug Armstrong. And that's kind of the, the scuttlebutt. And you get a blue. You get a blue. Yeah, you get a blue. Hey, you get a blue. Um, the the logic here being, why don't the Rangers just get Tarasenko? Uh, I looked at some of the numbers for Tarasenko. Uh, he's one of my personal favorite players. There's a couple things we all need to know. Uh, his relative course, he is actually up this season. So advanced stats, uh, you can check that off as a positive thing. This is not an advanced stat, but it's very, very telling in terms of what has happened to Tarasenko this season, is his shooting percentage, Tom, at 5-on-5. Last season, 11%. This season, 5%. He's still shooting pretty much at the same rate. Uh, Shots per 60 last season, 10.82. This season, 10.57. So, take a while. Here's what I know. Here's what Here's what I know. If there's ever if there's ever a time to trade a player, you ever. absolutely do it when their shooting percentage is lower than normal because that that tells you everything you need to know about the player, yep. you know. It's like 
for Riley Smith, low, for right? example. That's, that's the yeah, you trade him at his absolute lowest value, and then he goes to Vegas and he scores, you know, a shit ton of goals. Yeah, that's the right. That's the right thing to do. Um, what's most interesting, really, is his production is kind of flipped. So. Last season, he actually had a hard time scoring power play goals. This season, that has not at all been the case. A lot of his production has been on the power play. Um, but really, the Blues in general have been a big bag of shitty. So it's not all that surprising that his counting stats are down because pretty much everyone not named Ryan O'Reilly is having a rough season there. He's actually second in team scoring, too. Not bad. So it's, and he's, he's averaging, I believe it was... Um, like 35 seconds less a game than he was last year. So read, it's, um, read into that, whatever you will. It's interesting. Maybe not. It's, Tom, you know, very Josh Zarkin wants to know, Kako better than Hughes? Question mark? Depends on what you're looking for. I mean, one's a center, yeah. one's a winger. Uh, I feel, you know, we sort of went into this a little bit earlier. Uh, honest to God, I've not watched... Both of them enough to uh, venture an opinion. Um, so I would say I'm going to punt on that for right now, and we'll revisit that in a, a few weeks. I will say honest to multiple gods. So I'm going to go with uh, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then let's go with uh, uh, Tyr, the Norse god of war, that I've also not seen enough of them play. Um, with that being said, I feel like Kako would kind of fit the Rangers needs more, but Hughes is undoubtedly the best player on the board and if the Rangers uh, by some ridiculous miracle end up with the first overall pick, you throw team needs out the window and you take the best player, especially when it's a guy who's definitely going to be a generational talent, a franchise guy like Hughes, and that's kind of that's kind of that like, like, hey, you should not at all be disappointed if you get a second overall pick because getting Kako would be great but uh, you can just be like, hey, guess what, Heedle? Here's the, here's the news with Hughes. Yeah, you're playing a wing. That's how it's going to go. You know, I'm glad you said that because I was just going to sort of say the same exact thing that I guess what we're trying to say is we need more, more news about Hughes and more information before we can go cuckoo for Kako. Cuckoo for Kako Puffs. Yeah, there you go. You picked up what I was laying down. Yeah. I still, I'm honestly still vexed about the, whether or not a crab's undershell, like his the belly of the crab, becomes soft during the molting time of the crab. I would imagine that it does not. Otherwise, if it if it does, then how in God's name does a crab hold together in the ocean currents, Tom? That is a very good question. How in God's name? They don't have that's a skeleton. That's the whole point of crustaceans. They got the the exoskeleton, Tom. They gotta hold up out there. It's it's not uh, together. It's not smooth sailing. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's not smooth scuttling or smooth smooth scaling. Um, I we're not done with the show yet, but I'm gonna read the patrons so I don't forget. Uh, this show is not possible without our wonderful, lovely, uh, happy holidays re- wish receiving patrons. The rest of you, I hope you just have marginally good holidays. Uh, our patrons. <laughs> Alex Gardner, Alexander Ricard, Amriel Kistner, Andre Chicago, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Chris B, Chris Abibi, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, Igor Zaslavsky, James Dangles, John Repe, Johnny Olo, 
Keith Franchillo, Matt Bader, Mediogre, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Sean Taggart, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, Thomas Osa, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Thank you all very much. Show's not possible without you. Joe and I were talking today about how we, how in God's name we can get more stuff up on our Patreon because, you know, really you guys are just like producing the show. We, we don't offer enough uh, fun stuff on the Patreon proper. And apparently Joe has had a hard time sewing a glove from scratch uh, for the glove challenge because he's raising uh, a young daughter. Apparently child rearing is difficult, Tom. I didn't know that. Me neither. I mean, how hard could it be? You just put him in a playpen and you walk away. I mean, I just set my nephew down in front of the TV and, you know, that, that does enough for itself. TV does a better job raising that baby than I ever will. Do you think <laughs> I'm going to teach that baby to be multilingual like Dora the Explorer can? I don't think so. See, like, my my nephew, he, um, he like, watches YouTube on uh, my sister's iPad and... Like, he'll show me about things that I didn't even know about. It's like, oh, I gotta pull up this video for you. It's really cool. He's like five years old. I try to think what I was doing at five years old. It's it's amazing and it's scary at the same exact time. I was probably holding a magnifying glass over anthills and uh, throwing rocks at squirrels and stuff. I was probably, like, making cabins out of Lincoln Logs. Well, you painted a pretty adorable picture of yourself whereas I kind of revealed how dark my my past was guess who the listeners are going to like more Tom but here's the thing it's the yin and the yang we sort of like balancing out so together it's a very you know sort of nice middle so to speak a nice middle there's no we each have a wolf inside of us Tom and there's a, a naughty wolf and a good wolf and the wolf that grows more and takes over is the one you feed more. You ever hear that one? And it uh, it could eventually grow up to um, attack uh, Nicholas DiCaprio, or what is it? Oh no, that's the Revenant. That's a wolf, right? Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, that's a bear, Tom. It's a oh. whole different mammal. <laughs> I'm trying to think. What's the movie with that's, the wolf? You're talking ursines, not canines. You're thinking about the Gray with Liam Neeson. You know what? That's exactly it. Very, very good. I'm keeping you on your toes. That was a trick question, and you passed the test. <laughs> All right, Tom. The next time we record the show, the Rangers are going to be playing the Leafs and the Flyers. The Flyers have been god-awful. The Leafs are not god-awful. Uh, the Rangers are playing, you know, they just got a win, and that was fun. Um, is there any chance they can beat Toronto? Um, I think... There's a chance. I think back to... There's always a chance. Remember, 0.05% chance they win the cup. There's always a chance. So I'm, I'm pulling up the box score right now, but I remember last year they played Toronto, and it was a, a very wild game where it was goal after goal after goal. Let's see. Yeah. Mm. It was October 7th, 2017. After one period, it was 5-2 Leafs. After two periods, it was 5-5. And then the Leafs scored three goals in the third period to win 8-5. And that was a game that saw both Henrik Lundqvist and Andrej Pavlik in goal. That was uh, that was fun. Let's see who. So if if you could guess, Mike... 
they uh, there were five goals scored that game, and it was five different goal scorers. Can you name the five goal scorers from that game? Are you putting me on the spot? Well, just I'll, I'll yes, just say yes, I am. Yes, I am. Like the, the I'm trying to be polite about it. Jimmy VC. Let's see. How do you, no. why do you need to look this up if you're grilling me? Jimmy VC did not score. Chris Kreider. He did not score. <laughs> this is off to a, a booming start. Uh, Booch. He did not score. All right, I fucking quit, Tom. The five goal scorers were... No, I don't want to know. Matt Zuccarello, JT Miller, Kevin Shattenkirk, Mark Stahl, and Mika Zibanejad. Never heard of any of those guys. A bunch Um, of hosers. A bunch of fucking schmucks. Uh, The next time... We're probably going to record sometime next Tuesday or Wednesday, which means Christmas will have happened, or is about to happen. So, for those of you who celebrate... Christmas, uh, Merry Christmas for those of you who celebrated Hanukkah. Very many happy Hanukkahs to you. Um, regardless of what holidays you celebrate in this lovely winter, um, enjoy them. Tom, isn't it weird that winter officially starts? It hasn't started yet. Like, yeah, it's weird. It's Friday um, is the first day of winter. Who makes these rules? I, I don't really know if there are rules because you just look at the the weather. It's even in the summer, right? It's one day it's this it's this weather. Another day it's this weather. You're hot. You're cold. You're yes. When you're my no. nose hurts when I'm outside, that's winter time. When there are no bugs and my nose hurts, I know it's winter time. Like yesterday, it was really windy, so I'm walking in my car and like this burst of wind just sort of came through, and I I had to turn and do like the backwards walk, so I'm you oh, know wow. not facing the wind. Much like the uh, the anchor, the news anchor on site during the hurricane, where he turns his back to the wind. Or it could be like a defenseman sort of just backing in before they snow angel. Oh, there you go. Anyway, I think that's it, Tom. Do you have any final thoughts for the the lovely people? Um, only thoughts. Thanks for everyone that uh, sort of enjoyed the stories we've put up lately, whether it's a retweet, a, a comment, a like. Uh, we, we really do appreciate the feedback and... Um, you know that sort of feedback is sort of good so we can sort of get an idea of the type of stories you want to see on the banter um, the round tables I think have uh, been well received so we're going to look to do more of them in the future and just to echo Mike's thoughts um, if you celebrated Hanukkah you know hope you you know, had a good time with your family uh, Merry Christmas Happy New Year if you celebrate Kwanzaa whatever it is enjoy the time with your friends your family or if you're you know spending the time with yourself you know just do something fun, watch a, a good movie, read a good book, just enjoy the time how you'd like to. Yeah, I like that's a good way to end this one out. So, uh, good night, everybody, or good morning, or whenever the hell you listen to the show, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.